I'll tell you this. I haven't had a full, like, calorie soda in at least 10 years. The clues were all there, and if you listen to this podcast, you didn't need them because I spelt everything out for you. I told you about the deal. I told you what the deal was. I told you that there'd been contact. I told you that everything was fine from the Endeavor side. In fact, it was positive. That side of the TKO business partnership were very happy with their dealings with CM Punk. Everything was outlined articulately and precisely. And I told you that CM Punk was coming back. That was exclusively revealed to Data Sheets listeners. And it was in huge contrast to what everybody else was saying. And if you think Seth Rollins wasn't acting on Sunday night, if you think he's not in on this, and if you think that he's not preparing for a match with CM Punk, then you are as stupid as the people who are now looking to Dave Meltzer and Mike Johnson and Sean Ross Sapp for their information related to CM Punk. You don't need to listen to what they have to say because they never had anything in the first place. If they were credible, they would have had this story. That's their fucking job. That's what they're supposed to do 24-7. They're supposed to breathe wrestling. They're supposed to eat wrestling. They're supposed to shit wrestling. They live wrestling. Yet, they can't do their job effectively or efficiently um, Dave Meltzer, even the part he was credible credible for in terms of being a historian and grading matches, his rating system has gone absolutely to shit. He has no credibility left whatsoever. His news credibility has been eviscerated. It went about 10 years ago, which I explained on the Dirty Sheets was the catalyst of me even doing news. And from the moment that I did it, from the day that I decided to do it, from doing it on the steel cage, to doing it on the Dirty Sheets, which was a steel cage show at first and then went on by itself, to doing it with Sports Kida, to doing it for Wrestling Inc., to doing it for WrestleZone, for doing it for Vince Russo, from doing it to 4K100 on the Wrestling Informer, to bringing it back here, to always having the DirtySheets.com running throughout that entire process because I was never going to stop doing that again the way I stopped it for Raj Geary. As soon as Sports Kida was done, I formulated the Dirty Sheets. And no matter who approached me during that time, during those years, I never, ever stopped doing the Dirty Sheets. Raj Geary's thing was, oh, hey, you know, your contacts, your content is a little bit strong for us. Like, could you please tone it down? No, fuck you, because this will never be my first job. This will never be my first priority. The whole point of doing this, the way I do it, the style that I do it in, is to show you that it's not my first job. If it became my first job, then I would just be another wrestling journalist and I would just be the best wrestling journalist out of the wrestling journalist. I don't want to be that. I don't want to have a website. I don't want to have a day where my podcast comes out. I don't want to post five to seven stories a day. What I want to do is hit the stories that I post, the big stories, and get them right more than anybody else. And I want to do it casually. I want to do it while I work primarily for the Sports Gambling Podcast and work as someone who produces content for my own site, weblockbetting.com. That, I want that to be my bread and butter. And I want everybody to know that my house, my car, my lifestyle is all provided for by that and that alone. The wrestling stuff, 
is just to make me laugh. The wrestling stuff is just to troll. The wrestling stuff is just to get so far under the skin of these people that take it so seriously and are supposed to be the go-to men that you go to for your news, even though they give you nothing, even though Dave Meltzer's number one and has a 10% success ratio, he's still quoted on a daily basis for everything that he says. He's wrong time and time and time again to the point where WWE reached out to me and said, how did you know it was LA Knight when we told these guys it was John Cena? Because I don't listen to you. In 2017, I gave up my media pass because me and Nick wouldn't stop posting stories that we heard from my sources. We continued to do what we wanted to do and we weren't going to be blackmailed with a media pass and some shitty interviews and what would have turned out to being sitting in some shitty press conference asking shitty questions that are probably vetted by the WWE and AEW anyway. I don't want that. This ain't that serious for me. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a troll. It's supposed to be a point, a point to prove to everybody that these people are absolute frauds. Nobody has an inside leak in 2023. Nobody from this community of so-called journalists talks to anybody within the WWE that would give them info because logically that would lead to that person being fired. No wrestler's going to do it. No booker's going to do it. No writer's going to do it. No, nobody's going to do it. I can't think of anybody that would that would do it. My sources come from a different place. And my sources also have a financial gain from this, or they've had financial gain and are still appreciative of the things that I've done for them over the last decade. Helping them set up betting accounts through my contacts, which I obtained through working in the gambling industry. Setting them up with people who allow them to bet on the outcomes of wrestling. Allowing them to attend clubs and events whilst over here in the UK. Even strip clubs or or whatever they wanted to do. I was the go-to person for anything that they needed when the WWE used to be fun. And some people still appreciate that and the, and the fact that the guys don't just go to their rooms and, and go to bed like they do now or didn't used to do that. Some guys don't do that. I, I had a night out recently that I can talk a little bit more about um, with Matt Riddle and a few other people that I can't talk about. But yeah, it was it was a real old school WWE night out, ones that we used to have between 2002 and let's say 2014, 2015. We didn't used to get frowned upon when we came out of a room late at night after partying and Charlotte Flair was getting up to go to the gym at 7am and would give you a dirty look because she knew what you were doing and she knew whose room you came out of, Matt Riddle's, and she knew what was going on in there. But you didn't get that dirty look from anybody because it was accepted. The WWE is a very different place now. But my history comes from that and it has led to sources it's led to sources from being in Big Brother and having an agency that worked alongside the WWE and having friends in those places. But I'm talking about genuine friends. I'm talking about people I don't just text about wrestling. I'm talking about people that I text about news events, nights out that I see on a semi-regular basis. Not as much now that I'm a parent, but I used to see very semi-regularly. And these are relationships that have developed and have stayed over years and years. Who the fuck is talking to old man Meltzer? Who's talking to Alvarez? Who the fuck is talking to Sean Ross Sapp? Have you seen the personality on that guy? He doesn't have one. 
Nobody is talking to these people and giving them information. I don't know how many times I have to say this and when you're going to get it through your thick skulls. And I'm probably talking to the converted because if you're listening to me, you probably are the converted. But as the converted, I would like that message to be more widespread because if you have a friend and you tell that friend and that friend tells a friend, then suddenly we're off to the races. We can spread this shit all around like COVID apparently spread. But um, that hasn't been the case, unfortunately. And now it's got to the point where we are going to be sticking everything behind a paywall because I do want to get paid for this. I do deserve to get paid for this. It isn't fun. It isn't as fun as it was supposed to be. I thought that it would be a very short process before, um, before I was sitting on top with my three sources and saying, hey, I don't even do this for a living and I have the most subscribers, the most listeners, and I'm being quoted by all the dirt sheets. That never happened because I refuse to concede the other side of it. But that other side comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of saying things like Kofi Kingston deserved to be WWE champion. Big E deserved to be WWE champion when we all know the real reason those guys got to be WWE champion. It comes at the cost of saying that women's wrestling is fantastic and it's equal to the men's. It comes at the cost of having political opinions like men can be women and women can be men and it's all fine to teach this to the children. It comes at the cost of saying that, yes, I fully understand why we needed a vaccine and I have four of them. It comes at many costs and essentially the one word that we are looking at here is wokeness. And I won't go woke. And usually if you go woke, you go broke. But in the wrestling industry, if you go woke, you are afforded more opportunities. And it seems like that I need to be woke to actually be credited for my information when actually information should be the only form of power. If your information is correct, then people should come to you for the information. People should not be seeking out and choosing where they get their information from based on if they like the person or share their views and opinions, especially political ones, because it's irrelevant to the end result. When you seek out information, you want the information that is correct. So if Google was run by the mafia, but there was an alternative website run by these do-gooders, where would you go for your information? Would you go to the do-gooders knowing that you could receive the wrong information, which would be completely fucking pointless to you? Or would you actually go to the mafia-run Google, who, despite the fact that they are engaging in criminal activity, they are still giving you what you need? Now, I'm no criminal. I'm only chastised in this wrestling world, in this wrestling bubble. I'm seen as some sort of villainous character for believing in things that are perfectly logical, for talking about women and appreciating them still and not just turning it off like a switch because the political agenda told me to. But I can give numerous examples of that. I've already done that on the Dirty Sheets. But one thing I didn't do on the Dirty Sheets and what I should have done, given that it is or was going to be my final show before I decided to add this final additional show, was actually give you the real story on CM Punk, given that I am the one and only person qualified to speak about it. And what is my qualification? Oh, I don't know. The fact that I had the fucking story in the first place and was correct the entire time and nobody else had a clue. And it's all good and well. I've seen the tweets or the X's or whatever the fuck they're called now to Cav turning around and saying, oh, everybody could have guessed that. It was so obvious, was it? 
it was so obvious that all the dirt sheets that are continually quoted and credited with everything, all of them categorically said CM Punk is not coming. Now, we've read the quotes on the last episode that we did. There's no point going over them again. But you know what Sapp said. You know what Meltzer said. You know what Johnson said. You know what this site and that site said, Ringside News, whoever. And now you're going to them as a point of reference. This is the point of reference right here. This is the show where you need to listen to what happened with Punk and what may be happening with Punk moving forward. Now, my understanding initially, what I reported was, is that there was an initial offer. The plan was very simple. Let's alleviate any kind of negative crowd response in Chicago. Let's avoid that. Let's avoid any kind of negative momentum. We are rolling. This partnership is working. The share price is rising. Tickets are selling. Everything has been good for WWE. It's been their best year ever financially. So why derail the momentum towards the end of the year? So there was an approach made to CM Punk. It was an initial approach to do a single match and then see where they went from there. Obviously, there would have been merchandise. And obviously, there would have been a deal that was struck off the back of that success with the social media numbers being what they were in the end for this for this return. And it would have been a huge success and he would have come back by the Royal Rumble. We know that. Um, but the initial offer didn't state that. It left it a little bit wide open for the parties. Obviously, um, a deal was done where Punk wanted more and the WWE were open to more because the initial offer is just from WWE's end. They're, they're also trying to entice Punk without, without him making a huge commitment as well. But the main thing that people are overlooking is the damage control and the time when this deal was really put on the table. And it was when CM Punk visited the WWE while he was still working for AEW. Because conversations were had then. There was no way he was there without the permission of Vince and Triple H and whoever. Conversations were had. Sean Ross Sapp's timeline is completely wrong because I knew as soon as Punk exited AEW and there was no guarantee he was coming back. In fact, I believe one of the main reasons why AEW even bought him back was because they knew that WWE were interested in bringing him back. So they decided to exercise their right to um, bring him back via the injury clause, which is insane because you already paid him while he was injured. So you don't really have what the WWE have, which is a protection. They protect themselves. When somebody gets injured, they pay them a lower amount of money. It's called the downside guarantee. AW contracts don't have that. So they were stuck paying CM Punk during that period. So the fact that they paid him and then rolled over the injury period is absolutely insane. You may as well have renegotiated another contract. But in their defense, they weren't to know how that situation was going to unfold. So they bought back CM Punk. The shit hit the fan. Tony feared for his life. And we ended up with Punk being a free agent with no 90-day clause, just being completely free. And as I just mentioned, before he went back to AEW and before Tony feared for his life, there were positive talks with the WWE and there's always been a positive report, positive rapport between Punk and the new partners of the WWE Endeavor, now forming this new group, TKO. So it's always been hugely positive on that side. Punk drew numbers for UFC on shows where they had no right to do those numbers. And it was all down to CM Punk. And they know it, and they respect it, and they appreciate it, and they're always interested in bringing him back, as was Fox. But Fox didn't have the power 
that TKO have. So for Triple H to sit in that press conference and say it was nothing to do with them, they had a huge influence on it because whilst Khan and Triple H probably did the deal and did all the donkey work, it was definitely it was definitely signed off on and agreed to by the bosses of Endeavor, particularly Ari Emanuel, who would have said, yes, we want CM Punk. And he also got a glowing endorsement from Dana White, the owner of UFC or the, the president of UFC. So everything was in Punk's favor for this to happen. That's what these idiots on in the dirt sheets don't know. They have no connections outside of the wrestling bubble. They're just fucking morons who obsess about this, eat shit, live and breathe this all of the time. And they do nothing. They do nothing about the logical side of bringing him in from a business standpoint. And that's what I knew the entire time. All I was concerned about in terms of reporting the story was how the wrestlers backstage would act. But then I was told on several occasions there was no problems. And here how, here's how the problems were alleviated. Number one, none of the wrestlers cared. Not even Seth Rollins. Everybody was fine with CM Punk coming back. To be honest, if you're asked that question, you pretty much know that they're considering it. And it's more likely to happen than not. So you don't want to put yourself in a difficult a predicament and political situation by saying that you hate a guy. So I don't really think anybody said that. And whilst I don't think people are unanimously happy to have him back, I don't think anybody was dumb enough to say that they didn't want him back either. So I don't think that they were open and honest conversations, but they were had and people were asked. And as soon as I knew that those people were asked, I knew he was coming back. It was almost 100%. 100% to the point where you hear a show where I'm talking about booking my flight which because I wanted to see this, but I didn't want to see it without my son. And given the days off he's already had this year, um, that turned out to be a swaying factor. He's already going to be at Raw Rumble and Raw Rumble is his birthday. So um, it really was a balancing situation in terms of upholding your parental responsibility and then also um, not really wanting to experience that without him. I felt it would be a little bit cold and I'm not the type of person who's going to dump my kid and go off to Chicago, witness the moment by myself, and then come back to my son and watch it with him on on, on the WWE Network. It's not acceptable. Uh, in addition to that, um, I, I do have friends who, who earn decent money, but a lot of those morons all went to AEW, believe it or not, the week before, and not to Survivor Series. That was their choice. God knows why they made it but they were not able to take time off work to go to another pay-per-view immediately the next week. So uh, thanks, Ollie and Danny and all the guys who went to AEW, you morons. Um, that's why they were not in a position to go with me either. So a lot of things went against me in terms of seeing it. Um, I could have gone there live. Uh, I would have been on my own. I don't think that would have been really that cool. Um, it would have been great to experience it live, um, but I experienced it at home with my son. But There'll be moments in the future to experience the, the CM Punk return anyway. But um, I knew it was coming back. I, I confidently reported it throughout. I spoke about the deal. I spoke about the offers. And I spoke about the fact that no one backstage had an issue with it. And to double down on that as well, the situation in WWE has changed. So whilst I don't think wrestlers would have slagged him off because of the political standpoint as well, I also feel that they understand that, look, we're already dealing with Brock Lesnar 
and we don't really see Brock Lesnar. We're already dealing with Roman Reigns, and not that there's Roman Reigns is an issue or, or has relationship issues with anybody, but Roman Reigns is a complete ghost. He has a different call time. Sometimes he has a different hotel. If he doesn't have a different hotel, he's at the top of the hotel where he uses the hotel garage. He's away from fans. He's away from people. He's away from wrestlers, goes to a different gym. They always find gyms for Roman Reigns to go to, um, you know, outside a little bit away from, from the hotel, doesn't really use the hotel gym. He did it on one occasion where he did it for my son as a favor. Um, and that was really the only time we were able to to meet Roman Reigns. But you don't you don't see Roman. I think Cody interacts a bit more, but he doesn't have to. He's got the bus. Becky Lynch and Seth have got a bus and they stay in it because they travel with the child. Um, who else is there? Randy Orton has a bus. You get you get the picture. We, we've dealt with Brock, Ronda. We've got Roman. We've got Cody. We've got Randy. We've got Seth. We've got Becky. All of these people are in different situations where they don't have to engage with the roster. And if you think CM Punk is sitting on a bus and is answering the, the, the 2 p.m. call time, then you're a fucking moron again because he has a completely different contract and a completely different status. The one person I kind of feel sorry for in this situation is Edge. And not just because he's working with um, AEW and doesn't look at any fans in the hard cam section. It's because the Edge money, which they said they didn't have, has essentially been moved over to CM Punk. And I don't think it's money they said they didn't have. It was just money that they weren't willing to pay anymore. And that that's kind of sad when you think about what Edge has done for the company. But it was a case of paying somebody for no reason. It was becoming almost a charitable donation. And that seems harsh because Edge contributes a lot. And I still think he would have done. But he wasn't worth $3 million a year any longer on a part-time deal. CM Punk is. And I can't confirm or deny if that's what he's come in for, but I expect it is. I expect it's in that region, which is actually, if it is, it's $2 million less than what Tony was paying him. But I previously said that money wasn't an issue. So there, there, isn't, there is um, a possibility that he's come in for less and that he'll make it up on the merchandise side, which we'll talk about in a second. And he was baited by the main event of WrestleMania which is likely to be night one and is likely to be against Seth Rollins. You only need to see the television to, to see that. Um, I'm not going to claim to be breaking any kind of exclusive here uh, because if you watch the television, you may, you may see the picture that they're painting already. Rollins is already talking about Punk. He had that stage reaction when Punk returns. CM Punk has already said not everybody's happy to see him. Uh, well, he said everybody was except with the exception of one or two people. So obviously that is Seth Rollins. Um, Rollins looks like he's locked into a program with Drew McIntyre, in which case that would probably make CM Punk the front runner to win the Royal Rumble because I think Cody winning it two years in a row would be quite repetitive. And I honestly feel it would get a negative crowd reaction. So the the tentatively planned Gunther-Rollins match will now be replaced by Punk and Rollins, in my opinion. I'll get confirmation of all this. All of this stuff will be behind my paywall moving forward. But as for the merchandising side of things, it was almost an automatic based off the social media numbers, the views and the merchandising that CM Punk would have got a decent deal had he just done the one-time deal for the Survivor Series because the T-shirt has already broke one-day records. There has been no T-shirt in WWE history that has sold more in 24 hours than CM Punk has. And he's now edging towards the one-week record as well. So on the basis of that alone, CM Punk is very, very close after one week to paying off his own deal. 
CM Punk has almost paid off his own deal after a week of t-shirt sales. That is an absolutely fucking astronomical number. And already the justification is there. If anybody doubted it, if anybody doubted why you should or should not sign CM Punk and they wanted it justified as to why, well, now it's been verified. It's the t-shirt sales after one week. Record numbers for 24 hours, heading towards record numbers for the week, head and shoulders above anybody else. So at the moment, it is a 100% justified decision. They're not expecting any backstage antics or problems. As I said, this was researched. The guys at Endeavor were fully supportive of it. The WWE roster was spoken to. They didn't have an issue with it. And in addition to that, there were multiple conversations with people from AEW, either directly or via other people who have um, friends at AEW. So I know Ricky Starks would have spoken directly to the WWE because he wants to go there. I know Cody Rhodes would have spoken to other people. I know FTR were contacted directly. Directly, I know Jade Cargill was spoken to. People were spoken to from the AEW side of things. And as I reported, and this isn't after the fact reporting, this is what you get everywhere else after the fact reporting. Everybody knows everything afterwards. Well, why didn't you know anything before? If you knew everything before, why didn't you report it? Why did you, in fact, report the opposite? And if you didn't know anything before, why should we trust you now? But in the wrestling community, they do. Same names, same places, same faces, same terrible record for being accurate. Yet I'm sitting here close to 95% all time and you don't see my name anywhere. In fact, you do see my name in some places. It was actually pointed out to me that off the back of the last few stories, and this is insane, there has been a conscious effort to misquote me and bury my name. And I think the idea behind this is to make it look like I throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, there was a story put out and it was said via exposed term, Billy Barty via exposed turnbuckle. I have never worked for anywhere called Exposed Turnbuckle, and this is a completely, completely fraudulent story using my name by a Facebook account called Pro Wrestling World. And it said, many AEW talents were legitimately caught off guard by CM Punk returning to WWE, as a lot of the roster were actually expecting him to return to AEW before the year was over. Now, why would I report that and report what I reported here? It's absolute fucking bullshit. Besides the on-air announcement that Tony Khan made referencing Punk's dismissal, Khan didn't mention the situation to anyone at all, which confused a lot of the roster. One talent reached out to Tony a week later and asked about the situation at hand, and Tony refused to give details or comment on the situation. Although the feelings have probably changed by now, many talents were reportedly unhappy about being left in the dark about the entire situation. Billy Barty via exposed turnbuckle. Um, they used a picture here of Punk entering at Survivor Series, and um, they've got Tony in the background and they've got FTR as hot dogs with tag belts on. But um, yeah, it's funny, but it's nothing to do with me. So you might see a bit of this and perhaps maybe this has been going on the whole time because my friend brought it to my attention and he even put a negative comment about it underneath the post to which they replied, why are you sticking up for Billy Barty? He's a piece of shit. And this is the funniest thing because this whole thing, and I'll read it out here. Uh, Billy is the only source when it comes to WWE. So many said punk never happening. He was the only one that called it. And he's replied, Billy Barty is a notorious liar and scumbag. Just because he guessed correctly means nothing. I also said CM Punk is definitely coming back to WWE. When you have a guess between yes and no, you have a 50% shot of being right. 
My mate replies, you sound a little jealous. Sorry to Russell, didn't mean to. He went, also, if Billy Batty's a scumbag, why are you quoting him? Which is a very, very good question. Why are you quoting me and then slagging me off in the comments section? You're also quoting me for something I never said. Now, this could have been going on for years because I always wonder why there's this false narrative out here that I get shit wrong. Everybody that listens to my actual paywall content, which a lot of you are now going to do, um, you'll know that I don't get fucking shit wrong. It's probably 5% at a time. And when I am wrong, I'll jump on to explain it. I listened to something that was pointed out to me on that fucking dog shit, atrocious excuse for a podcast, keeping it 100. And they actually read out an email where somebody said, it marks one year to the story where Billy Barty reported that Becky Lynch and Charlotte was going to be a real fight. Now, do you really fucking think that I would ever report that? That was never said on the show, yet these fucking clowns, this guy included, he was the one that read it, read this out. These emails are filtered or even written by Joe Feeney. Joe Feeney had an agenda because they caused a rift between him and his bum buddy, Conrad Thompson. And by the way, it's probably comments like bum buddy that probably get me cancelled or disliked, but I don't give a fuck. That's his bum buddy. He would bum him for work because he's desperate to earn the approval of Conrad Thompson. And when he lost it temporarily during Starcast or whatever that shit meet and greet event was called, he got the arse with me and immediately tried to bury me. And I saw all the messages because Conrad threw him under the bus and said, oh, I never wanted him to come. Conan and Disco wanted him to come. I didn't want him there. I never even wanted him on the show. The guy's a piece of shit. Rah, rah, rah. You're a fucking piece of shit, dude. You're a fucking loser. You sit there like a pasty loser doing all the work. You let them walk all over you. You spend your time sitting at home, watching wrestling, editing people's shows, generally being a complete walkover, missing shows because you're crying about your mental health and you're having a bad mental health day and you're going out with a fucking dog. No wonder you don't have a kid because I wouldn't want to reproduce with her either. Two ugly people with no personality getting together is probably a good thing because it eliminates two people from the pool of shit that's out there. And as long as you don't reproduce, which you haven't so far, it's a positive thing for everybody. So sit at home with your ugly girlfriend, watching wrestling, being walked all over while you produce show after show after show and don't get thanked for it. And then once in a while, pop up on Get My Go to do a show about me because that's the only way that you can attract an audience by talking about me. So why don't you go and do your third installment of the Billy Barty show with the losers that you do it with? I don't know their names. I don't fucking care. I don't care about anything that K100 do. Yet I'm constantly mentioned on the show, a show that's completely dead, by the way, when you take away the fact that I was the only one bringing content that wasn't the opinions of old washed up has been wrestlers because that's all you have now old washed up has been wrestlers talking about the current product from their old has been washed up perspective i was there giving genuinely relevant opinions based on the fact that i've been in the entertainment industry been on big brother been involved with the porn industry been a club promoter I'm younger than all these guys, brought a different voice to the subject, have a successful record in gambling, was doing a gambling show with them, was doing the news for them. I was the only one who was capable and who was relevant enough to talk about sports because anything they have to say about sports has no relevance. 
But now they have absolutely nothing but old wrestlers trying to talk about subjects that they don't have a clue about. The intelligence of Conan and Disco combined would be one-tenth of the insight that I provide on every single show that I do. So if you want to keep listening to that or following that or doing whatever you do, that's up to you. But personally, I think it's absolutely unwatchable and it was a chore every time I had to go on there. In contrast to when I worked with Russo, I always enjoyed doing things with Russo. In the future, I may do something with Vince again. Unfortunately, Vince has got a little bit cold on the idea. There was obviously some backlash last time when I did a show with him from Disco. There was obviously some backlash from Bin Harmeen. Um, he's obviously been put in a difficult position. If it was me, I would just prioritise my content. People want to hear me and Vince together. We should continue doing content. I've always criticised Vince for the same thing, and that's that he's overly critical. He's overly critical of the WWE product. It's not 1998 anymore. And things have changed. You need to be able to write for this PG audience. You need to be able to cater to the wrestling bubble. You need to have something there for the core audience. You need to be able to please your core audience whilst also trying to engage a new audience. I think Vince is good, if not the best, at finding ways to engage that casual audience. And some of his ideas are good, but some of his ideas are way too out there. And I also think he's overly critical of everything. The fact that he hasn't praised anything WWE have done in the last couple of years, whilst they've boomed into a much more successful product from a business standpoint, and that can't happen if the product is completely shit. And I'm not saying three-hour roars are good, But if you can't find anything to praise about the bloodline, the problem is with you and your hatred of the product and the fact that you are talking about something that you hate and you will always hate. The problem lies with you and not so much with the WWE. So whilst Vince is probably right 80% of the time, 20% of the time, I completely disagree with him. And I used to do that on the show, which made for good content. And I hope at some point it can happen again. But that's really the only thing that I'm open to other than what I now stick behind my paywall. And it is unfortunate it came to this situation. I was quite aggressive about it on the show with Cav. I was quite pumped up and I've had a day maybe to walk away from that show and do this one and be a little bit more grateful to the people that have supported me because I do see the same names all the times all the time I do get a lot of messages in my DMs people are, people are grateful people are appreciative but it is again the same names and it shouldn't be it should be these thousands of people people deserved to get the right CM Punk story people deserve to get the right information after the fact. They deserve to know about the t-shirt sales for the week. They deserve to know the t-shirt sales for the day. They deserve to know what the deal was coming in. They deserve to know that the wrestlers were asked. They deserve to know that Seth Rollins is working them and it's heading towards match. Um, These are all things that I am capable of reporting and I'm qualified to report after getting the first story right in the first place. And it's off the back of story after story after story after story after story. And it will continue but it will continue behind the paywall. So if you want to get involved, if you want to get the bonus podcast, all you need to do is click the subscribe button if you are on Apple Podcasts. If you want the rest of the content, just head over to thedirtysheets.com. Now, in the new year, there may be an additional Patreon. So if you're not getting on with Apple Podcasts, there may be an additional Patreon to listen to the content where we post it in the new year. That's going to be the weekly Dirty Sheets and the Wrestling Informer Show. Now, there will be one more show 
between now and the end of the year. Now, I know I've already said that only be one more show and now I've done this show as well, but I did feel listening back to it and I rarely listen back to podcasts, but I came off that show with a weird feeling that I didn't quite do what I said I was going to do, which is be the only person to really explain the CM Punk situation. I don't think we really got into that. It was more of a rant. It was more of a fuck you. It was more of a um, let's talk about how everybody else is a joke. But we know that for the most part, the people who support me are the ones who are listening, are the ones that already know all the facts. So I'm kind of preaching to the converted. I, I know that. I understand that. I know this needs to go out wider and to other people. But our audience is what it is. It's a good audience. It's a big audience, but it's, a not, it's not an audience that's paying me. And in order for me to continue to invest my time in a product that I don't love in the same way that I did maybe 10 years ago, I do want to get that financial compensation to do it. And it's not to say I don't love the product. I love wrestling. I'll always love wrestling, but it's a different kind of love. It's the kind of love that you have when you are 30 years into a relationship. That spark isn't going to be there. That excitement isn't going to be there with whoever you're with for 30 years. And I've been with the WWE now for 33 years and I've lived through the best years and I've lived through some of the worst years. And I certainly don't think the worst years are now but it's very, very difficult. And it's especially difficult when you have to engage and tolerate a fan base who you don't have any respect for, that you don't want to be associated with, that, that get under your skin. And they do get under my skin. I wanted to get under their skin, not the fans, but the journalists. And the consequence has been that the fans get under my skin and they do. I retaliate. I do, which is why I can't run the X account, which is why Cav genuinely does run it. So if you want to follow that X account, that is at Dirty Sheets X. I do get my views across there, but they are vetted by Cav. I don't directly post anything. Um, the additional content is at the dirtysheets.com. That is the Patreon. Or as I said, if you're an Apple podcast, just write, write subscribe and you'll get all of the podcasts that I produce. That's it for me. That really is it for me. I just wanted to cover this CM Punk situation more extensively. The next time you'll hear from me, I'll be with Cav and it will be the year end review and that will be just before Christmas. Goodbye and thank you for always listening.